Hi there, welcome along to the latest episode of the High Performance Podcast. We had a lovely celebration in the uh, Humphrey household yesterday when our book, High Performance, Lessons from the Best on Becoming Your Best, charted at number two on the bestsellers charts. On behalf of myself, Damien, everyone involved in the podcast, thank you so much for your support. Um, Mind you, when I say we had a celebration, I'm on a New Year health kick, so it was a green juice, and when I really pushed the boat out, some lemon water. Lucky me. Uh, but we're really delighted, so thank you so much for supporting the book. Anyway, it's time for this week's episode of High Performance, which is our gift to you for free every single week. If you haven't joined us before, this is the podcast that turns the lived experiences of the planet's highest performers into your life lessons. So please, today, allow the greatest leaders, thinkers, sports stars, entertainers and entrepreneurs on the planet to be your teacher. Today, this might just surprise you. There's been loads of things that I've wanted to do and that I have had to fight for because nobody thought a girl from Geordie Shaw was capable of that. You can't be the best mother, the best CEO, the best brother, the best sports person if you're not looking after yourself first. You can't pour from an empty cup. So let go of the idea that looking after number one is in some way toxic or selfish and start doing it. Shows like Geordie Shaw, shows like Love Island, all of these huge juggernauts, which we're all a little bit obsessed with, don't get me wrong. Like, they have a, a specific type of person that they want in them. And more often than not, they are young and they are naive and they are probably a little bit desperate to be famous. And all of those things can make you incredibly malleable. And that's what I was. I was malleable. And there are moments looking back where I think to myself, that producer wasn't really your friend. And that was like the lowest I've ever felt in terms of like self-worth, career, being lost, being powerless, feeling like I actually hated myself actively because of what I'd done. And also the most confused, because how could I go on working for a company that put me in that position? And then when I was there, just hung us out to dry. So the title of today's podcast is Listen Without Prejudice. And I think that's really what we want you to do. Uh, We talk all the time about a growth mindset, about challenging your perceptions, about the best type of thinking is rethinking. And there is no doubt about it that almost everyone listening to this will have preconceived ideas about Vicky Patterson. But what we want you to do today is put those preconceptions to one side and simply listen to what she has to say. And it may well be at the end of it, you don't agree with her. You don't appreciate the things that she has to say. Um, However, I think you will. I think that you will realise that the Vicky Patterson, that not just the Vicky Patterson that you've got to know, but the Vicky Patterson that you've almost been forced to know through the way that the press have reported on her and the stories that have emerged about her. I think you'll realise that there is someone else there. And that's not to say she hasn't made mistakes. And in this podcast episode, you will hear her talk in honest detail about the mistakes that she's made. But surely the most important thing is that all of us realise we're not fixed. All of us realise that we can be something different. We can do something more. We can change. And what is it the Stoics used to say? When's the best time to plant a tree? 20 years ago. When's the second best time? Today. So if you want to change... Maybe this can be the catalyst for you to go for it and to do it and to realise that you're not fixed and you can grow. So anyway, let's get on with today's episode of the High Performance Podcast. I think you're going to enjoy it. It'll certainly challenge you. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. 
But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. So today we welcome a guest, I think, unlike any that we've had before. Look, the headlines will tell you that she's a queen of the jungle, she's a MasterChef finalist, or she's a Geordie Shaw cast member previously, but that's not who she is. That is just simply what she's done. And if this podcast encourages you to do anything, it's to scratch beneath the surface, it's to challenge preconceptions, and it is to embrace a true growth mindset. So I think actually the introduction to this podcast should be about someone who's an advocate for women's rights about someone who's finding happiness and being confident in her own skin. It should be an introduction about a best-selling author, about someone who's suffered and fought to overcome serious imposter syndrome, someone who's found the courage to bear everything on social media, despite being constantly judged by others. And she has the courage to be herself in an era where we only see the side of people that they actually choose to share. So I believe she is high performance and it's a real pleasure to welcome her to the podcast. Vicky Patterson, how are you doing? Well, I was fine until I heard that introduction. Now I think I'm fucking going to cry. That was so nice. What the hell? You're so complimentary. I don't know if I deserved it, but thank you very much. <laughs> Does that make sense to you, that, that introduction? Because I think in some ways it kind of sums everything up regarding you. It's like everyone will have an idea of, of who you are, but that's not who you are. It's just what you've done, isn't it? Yeah, I think quite often, um, especially in like this day and age, you are defined by what you have done, not who you are. Um, and I say quite a lot, like things that I've done in my past absolutely do not have to define me. Um, as human beings, we're under no obligation to be the same person we were sort of five years ago, five months ago, five weeks ago, even five minutes ago. I am that fickle. <laughs> So no, I, I think um, evolving and growing and all the rest of it, like it's a huge part. Um, and I appreciated that lovely introduction. I hope I don't let everybody down now. Ah. You certainly won't. Listen, we always ask the, the same question to every guest. The first question, in your opinion, and this is not for, you know, often people try and caveat this as well for me or, well, I'm not really sure. This is purely for you. What is high performance? What do you feel high performance represents? So I think when I've had like a really good week and I consider I've had a very high performing week, I've smashed my work goals. You know, I've managed to maintain good relationships with both my colleagues, my agents, everyone who I work with in that space. I've gave a good amount of time to my friends and family. And ultimately, I feel happy and content and I go to sleep at night like that is a high performance week for me when I'm happy and content and I know I've done my best. I love that answer, actually, Damien, because I think that there are still people that see this podcast from the outside and think, oh, it's about 
winning a World Cup. It's about being a billionaire. It's about owning a business. It's about being a, an entrepreneur or a founder. But actually, Damien, this podcast is about the world-class basics that we can do every single day that simply just make us feel content and happy. That that definition from Vicky is really, I think, summing up what this podcast actually is about. Definitely. I think high performance is high performance on your own terms, wherever you start from, and your own definition. In terms of the answer that you gave, Vicky, I'd, I'd, I'd ask you a question that readers of your new book were, uh, might appreciate it, but what number would you give today then? And would you explain <laughs> that coding system? Um, yeah, but also before I explain it, I'm going to hold my hands up straight away and say I can't take any credit for it. Like <laughs> it's my lovely life coach's kind of, it's his technique. Um, and I found it invaluable, actually, especially in the last couple of years. Since lockdown, weirdly enough, I've made a lot of changes in my life and sort of wanting to be able to have more balance was like right at the top of the list of things I wanted to change coming out of lockdown. I used to think in order to be successful, I used to have to kill myself, basically. I used to think coming from the place I've come from, if anyone was going to take me seriously, I had to be the first one there. I had to know everybody's name. I was going to leave last. I was going to be respectful, polite. And I was going to do that every single day. There was no place for days off. There was no place for lateness and all of this. And like, I truly believed it. And actually it's so counterproductive to have that train of thought. Like all you do is burn yourself out. All you do is lose the love for anything that you are originally passionate about. You become resentful, you slip, because we're all human. We can't go on like that forever. So Bill, my life coach, he taught me about numbering me days. And basically those days that I just described to you, you know, getting up in the morning, doing breakfast telly, going straight from there to radio, from radio to a record of something else, from that to a big event. You get home, 12 o'clock, you're knackered, your feet hurt, you're tired, but you know you've had a great day, you've smashed it. That is a number four day. It's high octane, it's stressful, it's big. You're getting a buzz from it, it's amazing, but it's hard, it's hard going and you have to take that into consideration. And then after that, you've got your day threes. So... That is, say, like a couple podcasts, maybe you're on Lorraine, you might have like a little photo shoot in the afternoon. Still quite stressful, you know, but not nonstop pressure, 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 but it still takes it out of you. Then your day twos, maybe you don't leave the house. Maybe you've just got some Zooms in the morning and a podcast in the afternoon. You fit in a nice dog walk, Bob's your uncle, Fanny's your aunt, it's a good day. But then you've got your day ones and these are the days that I absolutely live for. And they are like days where you turn your phone off, you have a digital detox, you watch like back to back Emily in Paris, which again, I'm sure is not something your listeners normally watch, but lads, Oh, don't you worry, my <laughs> wife, my wife was in bed the other day. She went, I don't believe it. It's only 10 episodes. I've got to the end already. <laughs> She went through Emily in Paris her. like a hot knife through butter. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so romantic. We've all got it, didn't we? Um, but no, and like you, do, you wear face mask and you play with the dog and you just give in to all of the foods that you haven't been eating that week and all of the things you probably haven't been doing and you just totally chill and recharge. And that is, it is important in life to have a mixture of these days if when you it comes to having a number four day, you're going to be the best, bright, shiny, positive, brilliant version of you. You can't do it if you haven't had your number ones. So to answer your question, 
today it was meant to be a number one, but more often than not at the moment, they tend to just squish into the number two category. So it's it's been an, an, a surprise number two, but I've loved it nonetheless. <laughs> Can we talk about the, the journey from where it all started to sitting on a high performance podcast, talking about numbering your days and success and commitment and hard work and all the things you're discussing because you started this podcast by talking about the fact that we all change we all grow all the time everything's a journey I'm really interested to know when the big change happened for you Um, and you talk in your book and it is a really interesting book I'd encourage anyone to read it you talked about the fact that from the outside when you were kind of coming through and you're on Geordie Shore and everything seemed great and you were like emerging as a celebrity horrible word but that's what was happening you actually weren't authentic and you weren't good to be around and you weren't really enjoying things. Like, when did you decide that that was not the Vicky Patterson you wanted to be and that actually this, what we're seeing now, is is where you wanted to get to? The change in me from being, like, this young, really excited girl who was plucked from absolute obscurity and put on a reality TV show um, into being, like, the Vicky Patterson people saw on Geordie Show happened so gradually that initially... I didn't notice and I got really swept up and carried away with it. You've got to think I was like early 20s and I was so overwhelmed and, and just did not have the tools at all to navigate the new, the new politics of the world I was in. And that feeling of like powerlessness and being out of me depth, it manifested itself in some really ugly traits Um, And I became defensive and aggressive and angry. And even more than that, like, I became this caricature of what I thought everybody wanted. This really bolshy, Geordie girl. And, like, don't get us wrong. There are elements of me definitely within that person we saw on that show. Christ, I'd be lying if I said, you know, I I haven't got a quick tongue and a bit of a temper sometimes. But... I lost myself totally. And like I say, it was gradual, but there was some pivotal moments where I realised I was basically sacrificing respect for attention. Like what, for example, Vicky? I feel really bad saying this to two fellas, but like, I don't know why. Um, I had sex on the telly and it's not anything that anyone doesn't know. I've talked about it candidly for a while now, but it took us a long time to be able to discuss it because it was so out of character for me. I didn't grow up in a naked house. Like I grew up in a house where like you went in the bath and like you got dried and then you put your jammers on and then you came out the bathroom, you know? Like we weren't striding around the house in your towel type. So I was a bit of a prude. And like I knew everyone else on the show was doing it. And I kind of felt pressure to be that person. And it drove a huge wedge between myself and my mum. And she is a huge inspiration to me and one of my best friends and a really positive influence. So that that in itself was was really traumatic. But also, like, I got a lot of stick. I got a lot of abuse. I got a lot of grief. And it, it was really difficult to undo that once I'd done it, to be seen as something else once I'd been seen as one thing. And sometimes I still think, you know, doesn't matter how many jungles I'm the queen of and how many kitchens I smash and how much charity work I do, to some people I will still be that person. But when you look back on that time now, Vicky, like, can you spot warning signs that in hindsight you go, if it had been switched on there, I could have avoided losing myself? Yeah, like, in my opinion, I'm 34 now 
And I was 22 when I first got found for Geordie Shaw. And there's a reason there's not a lot of 34-year-olds in shows like Geordie Shaw. Because if someone said to me now, everyone else is shagging, I'd be like, so what? So what? Like, I'm not. But back then, you know, in your 20s, when you're so, you're so, like, insecure anyway, and you just want to be like everybody else, and you're full of, like, crippling crippling self-doubt, like... That, that sentiment, like, it, it, it gets in your head. And the, I think shows like Geordie Shaw, shows like Love Island, all of these huge juggernauts, which we're all a little bit obsessed with, don't get me wrong, like, they have a, a specific type of person that they want in them. And more often than not, they are young and they are naive and they are probably a little bit desperate to be famous. And all of those things can make you incredibly malleable. And that's what I was. I was malleable and there are moments looking back where I think to myself, that producer wasn't really your friend or you could have behaved better there or you should have demanded a break. Like, you know, various things, but uh, hindsight's a lovely thing, isn't it? Sure. I was too close to it at the time. I couldn't couldn't say the wood for the trees. But what I'm interested in, though, Vicky, is that anyone listening to this now that maybe are not in the same situation of being having cameras foisted upon them as they're living their life, but there's a lovely description in your book that I found really relatable when you describe returning back to Newcastle from Liverpool University and you had that head full of dreams of going down to London and living a life like Carrie Bradshaw. and, and then, But then gradually you say you got a job back in the clothes shop and... and and that dream started to get diluted and that's the bit that I'm interested in of how like what advice would you give to our listeners about keeping that dream alive and not compromising yourself I mean I did come back from uni and like I I think I for the first I was I, I describe it in the book as being like the most uninspired I've ever been and the least ambitious um and I can see why home comforts are lush especially when you've been like nicking toilet roll for three years. It's absolutely brilliant to like have a full spice cupboard and sort of know your fridge is always going to be fully stocked. So I get it. Like there's no judgment here from me. Comfort zones are like safe and by very nature comfortable, you know, but I had this and this is this analogy, right? And your comfort zone, imagine your comfort zone is an island and you, it's perfectly nice, but it's quite small you know, and you know all the fish already and you kind of know where the good coconuts are, but there's nothing else for you there. And off in the distance, you can see this other island and it's so, like, you don't know anything about it. Like, it could be bigger, it could have, like, new wicked fish, it could have, like, amazing fruit on the trees, like, you just don't know. And one day you set off swimming because you think it's got potential and you have to like, you owe it to yourself to check it out. But then the sky gets dark and the seas get choppy and you get scared. So you go back to your tiny island in the coconuts that you know, because that's what feels safe. But if you're always sitting on your tiny island with your little coconuts and the fish you know, you're never going to grow. You're never going to see what's on the other island and you're never going to unlock all this amazing potential and possibility. And ah. Loads of times in my life have wanted to be on that other island, but I've been dead scared. But every time I've pushed through that storm, something amazing has happened. It's dead easy to go back to the little island because I've done it loads as well. And I'd, again, like I, I'm not having a go at anyone who's happy there. But 
fuck me, when you do eventually get to that next island, it's absolutely class and everything you thought is actually on it. So I would just say to people, push through the storm, man. <laughs> and what are the tools that you use to push through? Because look, we're proud of the impact this podcast has had, but it's not about listener figures or any of that sort of ego-related stuff. It's the messages we get every single day from people who say that they're lost or they're struggling or they've got issues in their personal life or they're not sure which way to turn. Or the biggest one is they know where they want to go, but the fear is what's stopping them. What are the tools that you found worked for you for, for just taking that leap and being brave and bold? You have to love yourself. Like you have to properly believe you deserve everything it is you want. And that is really hard to do. It is really difficult to get into that mindset of respecting yourself and putting yourself first and making your goals a priority and all that sort of stuff. But the minute you say to yourself, like, I deserve X, Y, and Z, a partner who loves me, someone who respects me, a job that makes me happy, a nice house, whatever it is, like you switch your mindset and things certainly be like suddenly become more achievable. And like I sent, I think it's probably manifesting in a way, but that to me was a huge game changer. Like in my 20s, I had such low self-worth. It's why I did a lot of the things I did, surrounded myself with the people I did um, and compromised who I wanted to be because I didn't have much respect for myself. But as I got older, I wanted more for myself. And I found out like the more time I invested in me, the better things came. I mean, that's a brilliant answer. So again, I'm thinking about the translatability of it. So like, what was it that you did? Where did you go to? Who, who did you seek out to, to help you formulate those questions? Oh, loads of people. God, if anyone thinks I just woke up one day and changed from like Vicky Jordy Shaw to this person, they'd be absolutely mental. Like I have therapists. I have a life coach. I have a brilliant relationship with me, mum. I've got like the same group of mates I've had since I was about 12 years old, them lasses, and they're constantly there for us as a brilliant soundboard. That not only helps keep me realistic and humble, but also it's like my biggest cheerleaders. I've got a personal trainer who honestly is more like a therapist, bless him. He has all of me woes. <laughs> so I get to work out for the mind and the body whenever I go and see him. I've got the biggest support structure of people around us who've helped me realise all these things. Which leads us then to discuss a technique that, again, you describe in your book, The Secrets Are Happy, about compartmentalising people into three types. You, I'll let you describe it because I think, I think it'll be a really helpful understanding of how people can maybe think about their own circle. Like, there's that saying, isn't there, where it's, you, you become the five people you spend the most time with or you become really like them. And I don't know if it's true or not, but, like, it kind of makes sense to me. If, like, you're surrounded by people who are miserable and negative and always whinging and think the world owes them a favour, like, it's going to rub off on you. It absolutely is. So if you surround yourself by with, like, positive pigeons and real high achievers and people who just love life, that is going to rub off on you too. So... Yeah, I think how you spot these people, and again, I can't take credit for this. I'm coming across as such a thief on this podcast. Like, I just steal <laughs> no, everybody's great That's ideas. The idea. <laughs> There's no such thing as an original idea, by the way. We're all <laughs> learning from everybody else. Well, I like that. It makes me feel less guilty. But, I yeah. steal all my stuff from Damien. He's a professor. <laughs> He's a professor. I'm a former I kids' wish. TV presenter, right? There I is wish. a serious disconnect there. Oh, but you compliment each other so well. <laughs> um, right, so there's three types of people in life. And you can work out who they are by how you feel when they ring your phone. 
Um, so you have people who, when you see their name, like flash up on your display screen, you think, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> you know, like, and you know, like, as I've said this to you, everybody listening to this will know that person instantly. <laughs> um, and it's the person who, you know, they're ringing you probably because they want something or because they want to have a whinge or because like they need a favour and they need you to get you into this nightclub or they want you to look after their kids they just want something from you <laughs> and you never feel like it's a two-way street like you don't mind picking up your pals who are always there for you but this isn't that person and they are called the draggers they are like if you said to them oh i'm thinking about um starting a new diet i'm going to try and be really healthy 2022 they'd be like mm, what are you gonna do that for you'll only end up you'll only end up ruining it you'll only end up eating loads of cake and i think right okay you are a negative influence on me they are the draggers we don't want those in my life really okay next you've got like the middle of the roaders so when they ring you sort of think should I answer? Should I not? Okay, I'll give them, you know, I'll pick up. They don't set your world on fire. They're perfectly nice. Like, if you said to them, oh, I'm going to try and eat more healthily, they'd be like, good for you. Good for you. You can do that. But they're perfectly pleasant. We shouldn't, like, we shouldn't be dismissive of them. The hearts are in the right place. And then you have the igniters. This is who we should all strive to be. The kind of person that when you see their name pop up on your on your screen, you can't wait to answer. You grin from ear to ear. Your whole body fizzes with excitement because you know they're ringing with something. Let's go on holiday. Well done for this. I'll eat healthy with you as well. They inspire you. They lift you up. They make, they make you buzz like an old fridge. You're just fucking thrilled that they're in your life. And I feel like... Those are the people who you should have around you as, as much as you can. And I know they we're going to They make you have... buzz like an old fridge. Oh, I, mean, <laughs> I like that one. Yeah. Thank you. But that, that is it. And I know we can't have a life filled of, full of igniters. You know, we can't have a friendship circle full of them. Like, potentially that might be quite flammable and dangerous. But the rest, like, the majority of your friends, your, your close circle, your colleagues, whatever, they should be those type of people. There's so much to unpack there. I mean, when I, when I originally read it, I, I was reminded of the work of a guy called David Cantor, who's a psychiatrist that, that studied sort of group dynamics. And what you might be interested in, Vicky, is that um, his work was used to create the four main women characters of uh, Sex in the City. Honestly? Yeah, so he talks about, like, he uses a slightly different language than your igniters and draggers and middle of the road. As he talks about, uh, you have initiators, are your igniters, you have blockers, are your draggers, you have the fourth group, are the detached, they just don't care. But then the middle of the roaders are what he calls the adapters. These are people that can be influenced either way. So what I'm interested in there, though, is that how do you determine who gets access to you and what kind of feedback do you give them? And just tell us a little bit about how you manage those groups. So it's a super fine balance. Like you say, if I'm preaching here about how much evolving and growth I've done, like I'd be pretty hypocritical to not allow like the people in my life to experience the same and treat them accordingly. Um, and also like I'm loyal as a dog. So I give it the big in about cutting people out of my life, but actually like I'm very soft and soppy. And I tend to just try and get a little bit of distance between me and people who potentially aren't good for me. Um, so no, I'm I'm very loyal and a very good friend and I will trust people and have them in my life until they threaten my peace. And I haven't always been like that. Like I used to constantly be surrounded by toxic people, again, low self-worth. But now that I view myself differently and put like, and, and have things I want to achieve and 
I'm really serious about it and all that sort of stuff. Like I think the people I spend my time with are very important. And you know when you don't get a lot of free time, it's it's really important who you choose to spend your time with, isn't it? So no, I'm choosy. I'm definitely more choosy and I'm more protective of my peace. But like I'm still a bit soft. Like I'm still learning that one as well. Um, because I'm I'm just too loyal for my own good. And what about how you act around and with other people? Because I think often we, we, we put people in these categories and we look at our friends, but what about ourselves? Like, do you try and be an igniter 24-7 and light up? The, I say to my kids every day we drop them off at school, the final thing we say, Harry and my wife, is, hey, kids, be the light in the room. And I guess that is like the igniters, really. You know, I want them to be the ones where every kid goes, I want to sit next to Seb and Flo in the classroom, you know? <laughs> But like, I'm sure they do. And and that, like, I always endeavour to be an igniter, you know, the type of person who's like, oh my God, you're pregnant. I'll throw you a baby shower. I'm so excited. And like, whatever it may be that my friends are going through, I'm their biggest cheerleader and always their shoulder to cry on. Um, I always just want to be the friend I'd want to have. That's who I endeavour to be. So yeah, I'm an igniter most of the time, but I still have me down days where it'll be a right pain in the arse. This conversation sort of keeps on reminding me of something we talk about often on this podcast, Vicky, which is fault versus responsibility. We talk often that there are things that happen in all of our lives that are not necessarily our fault, but it's still our responsibility to deal with it. And I think that it's very easy for someone from the outside to look at some of your behaviour on Geordie Shore or the way you acted around that time and think, well, of course it was her fault. She was acting like an idiot. She was doing stupid things. But actually, in my line of work, it's like this with young footballers. We expect so much of young people. And people expected so much of you that they would put you in a totally alien environment and then you would swim. Well, you know what? They probably put you there because they knew you wouldn't and it was going to be interesting watching you not do that. You don't see it at the time, do you? But the responsibility is something that feels like it's now arrived with you. So do you subscribe to this mindset that we try and subscribe to on this podcast of 100% responsibility? So even though there are things happening every day that are not your fault, it's still your responsibility to work out how to deal with it. Oh, absolutely it would be dead easy for me to say I was really young I was pressured it was this x y and z I didn't have the chills and all the rest of it and I think to a certain extent that is in fact true but the fact of the matter is it was still me doing those things and I honestly believe like you can't help what happens to you in life sometimes but you absolutely can determine and control how you deal with those things So for a long time, I didn't cope with them well. I didn't deal with them well. I didn't have the tools to be this better person. But now I do have them. And I am still paying for a lot of the mistakes and things I did back then. In what way? I think it's really hard for someone from reality TV to try and transition into a different space and be taken seriously. Um, I always use this analogy like of David Beckham trying to be an actor and like I feel really bad because I liked him in that Sword and the Stone film I thought he was great <laughs> and he only had that one line and I thought if that was anybody else nobody would have batted an eyelid he would have just been like cameo but because it was David Beckham everyone was ripping him apart and I thought why can't David Beckham be good at more than one thing why did he just have to be a footballer why like why wouldn't you give him that chance you know so it's kind of similar there's this almost like a misconception that if you're on a reality TV show, you are talentless, unintelligent, vapid in some way. And there's been loads of things that I've wanted to do. 
Like I wanted to do the jungle for years before I was given a chance to do it, you know? And I had to fight. I had to break down their door. <laughs> and there's loads of other stuff, you know, shows I've wanted to do, places I've wanted to go, books I've wanted to write. And then I have had to fight for, because nobody thought a girl from Geordie Shaw was capable of that. And I still want to do other things. So I'm still trying to break down like those kind of misconceptions and preconceived notions of me and reality TV stars in general to make it possible. So I think I do still pay for my behaviour a little bit, <laughs> but at least I own it. See, what fascinates me there, Vicky, is that I'm reminded as you're saying that, I don't know if you've ever seen Jay Shetty, where he talks about like so often in life that people have a perception of us and we almost respond to how we think they perceive us, if that makes sense. So how do you not act down to the preconceptions that you're assuming people have of you? I like to surprise people, me. I like to shock people. Anyone can assume whatever they like about Vicky Patterson. And, and you can dislike us, even. I'm not going to please everyone, you know? I can't, it's not possible. But I challenge anyone to, like, meet me or sit down and chat with me or whatever and still walk away hating us. Like, I think if people come to me with, like, a really low opinion of us, like, all I can, all I can do is improve on that, isn't it? So I, I don't mind really like if someone has these sort of preconceived notions like I will eventually change your mind no matter how long it takes us and whether that takes me like grafting for 20 years whether it takes me learning everybody's name in a room whether it takes me being the first person there and being the last person there whatever it takes like I will get there I love that I mean it's a real sense of resilience and I think the important thing to remember here is that what is hard for you isn't necessarily bad for you so there would have been times in the last decade or so when you've had really hard times but you're now reaping the benefits because they've given you the resilience if i if i was to ask you what was the what was the lowest point in this whole journey um that that you feel has helped to give you the resilience that you rely on today which point would you go to there's some strong contenders i'm not gonna lie there's like i could podium place them i think um there's this one moment that sticks out um and uh it's like so still really painful for us to talk about because it's just so far removed from whoever I've ever been, you know. I broke up with someone who was also on the show and the relationship had been incredibly unhealthy and super toxic and dead tempestuous and it was for the best. But it, it's still a breakup, you know, and it hurts and you need time to heal and all of that. So I remember he'd been asked to leave the show and I continued on and I filmed a series in Australia and I felt like it was so important that I gave it me all and showed that I was like this strong single happy girl again and I did I smashed it but it exhausted us it just took everything I had to put on that facade for so long about three months and when I came home I was assured oh, we're going to give you a good break. That series has done great. Everyone's like loving it. You would think you deserve some time off. And I booked some holidays with my mates and I arranged to spend time with my mum and I just wanted to rest and recuperate and get over that breakup, you know. And uh, MTV got back in touch and said, like, the success of that series had been unprecedented. I don't know why I didn't see it coming, quite frankly. Foolish. Um, but they needed another one. And I said, oh, I've you promised us I could have time off. I've got holidays booked and I wanted to do this and X, Y, and Z and I, I need time. This was before, you know, we were all saying my mental health is bad. But basically that was what I was insinuating. Um, and they just were like, that's fine. Take your time off. It's all right. We'll just replace you. 
And I was so scared. Like now I would say, well, go for it. There's only one Vicky Patterson. But, you know, and like then I was like, oh, well, I'll come back. And I was in the worst possible place. And I was like as close to broken as I've ever been. Just knowing that they thought so little of me, having like broken up with my ex, like all of these things were like catching up with us. I was exhausted. I was drained. I didn't like my body. I was drinking too much. All of these things. And um, I got into a big fight in a nightclub and uh, I hurt somebody and it was awful. And um, I had a, a really long six month court case ended in us getting community service and all these sort of things um, that I really deserved. And um, after that, like I was asked to, I was asked to leave the show for a while, and I had a, I was trying to like work, like I just was so lost, you know, like I was so angry because I thought you knew something like this was coming, Vicky. You didn't know what it was, but you knew you were at breaking point, and you allowed yourself to be pushed into a situation that you knew you weren't comfortable in. And that was like a huge, the lowest I've ever felt in terms of like self-worth, career, being lost, being powerless, feeling like I actually hated myself actively because of what I'd done. And also the most confused, because how could I go on working for a company that put me in that position? And then when I was there, just hung us out to dry. So that's the the big one, I think, lads. And it's still clearly still painful today. Yeah, how, like, how do you get over that, you know? Like, I was, like, front front page of loads of papers and I was a monster and I was this and I was that and I was everything that was wrong with today's youth and what hurt us the most is that was a part of us that absolutely agreed. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Today's episode of High Performance is in partnership with MindLift, and many of you may have heard already that in 2023, I decided to give MindLift a go, the neuroscience-based personalized brain trainer to improve your focus and your relaxation. So I popped on the headband, I downloaded the MindLift app and connected to my own personal neuro coach. And look, because of my job as a podcaster, I get to experience so many different things that people tell me are going to benefit my life. And in all honesty, once I started using MindLift, I just found that I felt sharper, my focus was better. And I think something else that you can't necessarily feel is that it offers an improvement for overall brain health. I also was really reassured by the fact that this is trusted by clinicians around the world. I know for a fact it's used by top athletes. I've spoken to some of them about how much they love it. And the fact that the whole experience is customised by your own neuro coach, I think just makes it really smart. So if you want to get involved and you're interested, now is the time with a $40 discount exclusively for you. And if you want to get $40 off your first subscription, just go to mindlift.com slash highperformance. That's M-Y-N-D-L-I-F-T dot com slash highperformance. Hey, look, as you know, in high performance, we love to highlight businesses doing things a better way. That's why we're proud to partner today with Mint Mobile. And when I found Mint Mobile... 
I had to share it with you. They've ditched retail stores and all the overhead costs and passed those savings on to you. Right now, Mint Mobile has wireless plans starting at $15 a month. That's unlimited talk and text plus data for $15 a month. And for me, those numbers are fantastic. I've been paying way more than that for my whole life. So if you hate your phone bill, Mint Mobile can offer you premium wireless for just 15 bucks a month. All the plans come with unlimited talk and text and high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. And you can choose from three, six or 12-month plans. Say goodbye to your monthly phone bills. So to get your wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash HPP. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash HPP. Additional taxes, fees and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. So if you were in that position now then, Vicky, what would you do differently? And when would you do it differently? If I'd have asked for a break, I, regardless of what their answer was, I would have took it. If I knew I needed it, like even today, I caught myself before, babe, like being a little bit stressed this afternoon, thinking this was meant to be a day off, Vic, and it's not a day off anymore, is it, you know? And I thought, I'm going to message my agent and just say, I need some time off next week. I'm starting to become like not a great version of me. And I don't want to sit and have amazing opportunities like this, but not be in the right place for them. Like, I don't want to be successful at the detriment of my sanity and health. So what would you do, though, if somebody still gave you that same message of, you know what, Vicky, we'll replace you. Don't worry, don't do it. We'll get somebody else. How would that be processed differently for you today than maybe 10 years ago? Um, don't, don't get us wrong, like, it would still hurt. I think hearing that you're replaceable is such a cruel thing for anyone to say, and I'm, I'm such a fanny. So yeah, it would hurt, I'd, I'd be sad, but I've got more respect for myself and like more confidence in what I'm building and who I am and what I bring to the table right. than to, you know, to be like, oh God, okay, sorry, let me do it and fall in line. I'd say, well, go on, fill your boots. You, this was a mistake, but I'd be scared. I would be scared. I'd be sassy, but scared. Right. <laughs> and it's it's a it's a great place to get to to be able to make that decision because it's so hard I think in the modern era particularly with social media because you'll go in there and see everyone else having their revealing their edited lives to you and showing you how great everything is and one of the things I really like um, and when I knew we were interviewing you I started to follow you on Instagram I really love like the the honesty I just I'll share a little bit for people that listen to this podcast and don't follow you 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 put out a social media post saying that you were going to wake up and it was the start of 2022 everything was going to be great and fantastic and then you say you actually were a bit scared you didn't feel like yourself and then this really nice bit here you said the urge to keep this to myself pop on some gym gear and jump on instagram with some quote about this year being my year acting like everything was fine is almost too strong and you know i think particularly for parents like us with very young children who are not yet in this world of social media and Instagram, it's scary and it's quite worrying for us. What advice would you give for how young, how anyone actually can protect themselves on, on social media, a platform where we're comparing our own lives to other people's edited version of? There's a saying that I wasn't allowed to use in my book because it's somebody else's and they're very precious and I don't blame them because it is a good one. Um, but it is like, don't compare your behind the scenes to someone else's highlight reel. And I, I don't think it was created for social media, but it's, there's just never been a better way to describe it. It's so apt. 
we are constantly bombarded with unrealistic images of perfection. And um, for a while, like I completely was suckered in. And even worse than that, I perpetuated that culture, which I've grown to hate. It's easily done, but it's so toxic. And I couldn't even keep up with it. You know, the, like the pressure I was putting on myself to be something I wasn't. And I was like, well, in my 20s. So I do worry about like young lasses and young lads coming to these platforms and thinking everything they see is as is, because it's not. Everything's filtered. And everything is this carefully curated glimpse into somebody's life. They're showing you what they want you to fucking see. They're not showing you their bad days, their breakouts, their periods, their hangovers, the days when they just can't bring themselves to look in the mirror. Like they're not showing you any of that. They're showing you the highlights. So take it with a pinch of salt and don't be afraid to block people who threaten your peace. I block people all the time. It's like up there with one of my favorite things to do. I like sneezing and I like blocking people. This is like in terms of free things, by the way. All right. So So I want total honesty then. Do you still apportion um, any self-worth or any self-confidence to the likes you get on social media or the comments going, Vicky, you look amazing today? Ah. Oh, I feel like I, this makes me feel like less of an evolved person, but the answer is definitely yes. It's so hard when such a big portion of my life is consumed by it. It's how a lot of how I make money these days, you know? So it's difficult to not be obsessed with it to a certain extent. But I do have certain practices put in place to try and stop us being, like, stop myself worth being so hinged on it. Um regular digital detoxes like like I say you know blocking people this that and the other I like to put a post on and walk away sometimes rather than being like sitting and staring at it and and, I don't know just becoming consumed by it um so no to answer your question honestly it's a bigger woman than me who hasn't who's got the hang of social media totally I don't think though that Anyone that says, oh, I don't care about likes and shares and positive comments, I'm not sure that they're telling the truth because I think that if you actually look at it, all that is is a reflection of society. If I said to you, do you like it when you go to a party, people say you look good? Well, of course you do. Do you like it when you go to a, an event and everyone wants to take your photo? Of course you do. Well, it's, exa- it's exactly the same, but Instagram is just like a digital version of that. I think the key here is for all of us to perhaps take responsibility. I mean, that's why I love it when you put photos up of yourself with no makeup on at all. Because, you know, I don't want little Florence to see just Instagram as everyone looking amazing. And she already goes to these dance classes, does all these like ridiculous poses, which worries me enough. Um, (laughs) Because I I think that it's not good for other people. But I think you're a really good example as well of someone where it clearly wasn't good for you to only be looking perfect 24-7. I wonder how, do you remember the moment you decided to share something on Instagram where you were like, right, I'm actually just going to show the real me and how liberating that felt? Or was it? scary what was the what was that journey like I think it happened organically um if I can remember correctly and like I I had a hard year a couple years ago I had a relationship breakdown and I lost my best friend and I lost my grandma like within like rapid succession and um I just felt exhausted by like the emotional turmoil and um I I didn't have the energy to be that like strong, sassy, positive person on social media, that that image that I'd projected for so many years. And um, I just started speaking from the heart, really organically, about me heartbreak, me grief, 
feeling lost. And it spiraled from there because I did get a really positive response. And like, it's like you say about the messages you guys get about the podcast, like listens are amazing. Downloads are incredible. And yes, they give you validation. But what means the most to me is when someone says, I let my daughter follow you on Instagram and you're one of the only celebrities I do. Or I was going through a bad time with me fella and I thought I had to stay with him, but you made me realise I could walk away. Like this sort of thing. And, and that's what happened off the back of my makeup free posts, my honest posts. And I suppose I got addicted to that feeling that I was actually doing something with me platform. Do you think there's something as well about we're hardwired in society not to follow hypocrites. So if you think like politically, you know, like whenever, say recently, the scandal about the prime minister, and it's not that he had the party, it's the fact that he was telling everyone else not to have parties and things like that. And that's where the outcry comes from of hypocrisy. Do you feel that starting to be authentic has led to very different results for you in all the aspects of your life then? Yeah, like I definitely noticed a shift. Like, when you're being so honest and so authentic, things are just easier. Like, how drained are you when you have to go and meet your in-laws, man? And, like, you have to put on this, like, version of you that's... And I, I don't care how long you've been married to your partner, you're always trying, aren't you, to make a good impression. Like, you come home and you're, like, fucking knackered. <laughs> but, like, when you just let it all hang out and you are this, like, just genuine version of you, it's when you're around your best mates, it's so easy it's good for your soul. You're happier. They're happier in your company. You're more relaxed. Things just flow. And it's the same with life. Like when you stop trying to be something you're not or stop trying to live up to other people's perceptions of what you should be, you just get to be you and things fall into place. And it's so good. Since I started being me, like I've like really me, like I found a nice partner. I've got a nice house. I love the work I'm doing. I've got a very Brilliant. naughty dog who's also lovely, but I'm just happy, mate. The happiest I've ever been, so, yeah. Brilliant. Can I ask you about the hero of your book, your sister, Laura? <laughs> <laughs> there was a bit that when I read it, I laughed out loud when you described you, you were offered her a three-week holiday in Australia when you were doing the I'm a Celebrity programme and her response was, fuck that. <laughs> what would I want to go there for? And... She just seems very grounded and honest, Vicky. And I'm wondering, what's the best piece of advice she's given you over the last 10 years that you still remember and you'd want to pass on today? Um, first of all, Laura would absolutely love you too. Um, <laughs> she's, she's, she is, her and my mum are like two of the best influences in my life. They keep, my mum keeps me like uplifted and positive and excited and Laura keeps me like grounded and... She, she's loyal so yeah so they're great um best advice like you know laura's always used to always tell me when i'd come home with like because she was always the person i'd run to when something would go wrong with a boy or something would go wrong with me agents or something would happen something bad in the pressures always the person i'd run to and she'd always just say it was like you need to know your worth you need to know your worth and like i didn't for so long and that's why I went out with horrible people. And that's why I didn't have the people with like the best, me best interests looking after us. It's why I took wrong jobs, why I stayed in situations longer than I should. But like now, eventually I do know me worth. And it's not big headed, 
Like, I don't think I'm, like, anything special. I just know who I am and what I'm not willing to put up with. And subsequently, everything in my life is, like, healthier for it. Relationships, work, professional ones, everything. So, yeah... Laura does really know our stuff, but I hope she doesn't listen to this and get a big head. <laughs> so if I said to you, who is Vicky Patterson today? What answer comes back at me? Okay, Vicky Patterson is a TV star, an author, a kind of modern feminist. Like, I'm not burning me bra or anything, but I really just want ladies to be happy doing whatever it is that makes them happy. So I think that makes me a feminist. I'm happy, comfortable, confident enough in my own skin um, and I'm not finished growing and evolving, but I'm dead happy with where I'm at right now. Is that a good answer? It's a great answer. And <laughs> the, the, the bit that interests me, though, is the evolution still. Not, it, it, we're all a work in progress. What are the things that you still really look at and think, that is, that is still my Achilles heel? That is still the thing that I can make out I've solved, but I absolutely haven't. Like, I... I had this ex-boyfriend who always used to say to me, you think, everyone thinks you're Vicky from the jungle, but I know you're Vicky from Geordie Shaw. And like, that is a sentence that like has stayed with me. How does it make you feel? It's, it is, it's my biggest fear. It's my biggest Achilles heel. Is that no matter how hard I try to be this better person, deep down I am that girl. It terrifies us. And every so often when I'm quick to anger, or I um, don't treat people with the respect I think they deserve. I think you're regressing, you're her, and I, I hate myself for it. So I'm still working very hard to let go of that fear and that that, that guilt and that self doubt, you know. And look, I I don't know. I doubt your ex boyfriend listens to this, but whether it's him or someone else, can we all just understand that life is not permanent? Everything passes. Everything's temporary. And when you were Vicky Patterson on Geordie Shore, that is what you were. But in 2022, this is what you are. And it's about time that we embrace the fact that growth is a thing we should all be inspiring in each other. And I think it tells you everything you need to know about the person that you're obviously no longer with. That he, the one thing he wanted you to do was not grow by constantly reminding you and basically saying, you can't grow, you can't change, you can't improve. You'll always be that. Thank goodness he went by the wayside. Yeah, I mean, I, I, f- I feel like that was it. People who say those type of things, they're trying to keep you small. They're intimidated by your light. Oh, I realise that now. But thank you so much for your kind words. You two are so lovely. Thanks oh, for thank having you. us, man. <laughs> Thanks for coming <laughs> I, on. I was so nervous. <laughs> oh, you've been brilliant. What were you nervous about? This isn't my usual podcast. I'm not your usual person. And I just thought, oh God, I hope I'm what they need me to be. I hope I do oh. myself justice. Well, no, so this is good then. Okay. We now know that your imposter syndrome is still alive and well. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just ticking that so one So should off. we talk about that for a second? I mean, that's obviously still a work in progress, Vicky. <laughs> oh God, absolutely, lads. But like, you know how when like, when you're in the industry I'm in and like you're just walking walking down this morning's corridors and like you bump into like Stanley Tucci like when do you when on earth do you ever get over that and think oh, I fucking deserve to be out with the Tucci like you don't you, I don't think I don't think I'm ever gonna accept the, the circumstances I've found myself in totally and I don't know if I want to 110% because then wouldn't I just be really like too cool for school and over it. I like that I'm very excited and feel really grateful and lucky, but 
yeah, I do want to work on feeling more like I belong. But can I just follow up with that? Because I think that, like the message you said about this isn't your usual type of podcast. There's something that when I was reading your book over the weekend, and I was reminded of that idea that we can learn from anywhere. And I think that's a powerful message for anyone that's listening to this, that they might have preconceptions or they don't watch the type of programs that you've been on Vicky or they wouldn't necessarily pick up that book but I just found there was so much wisdom in it and you know you were so vulnerable and you were prepared to to share some of those techniques that I've got real value out of reading it and also speaking to you so thank you for for being so honest and, and vulnerable that's so nice well thank you so much yeah I I, I I wear my heart on my sleeve mate I really do um but that's always I, I think like what we all just want to feel like is that we're not alone and whenever I share something on social media that I've been a bit nervous about sharing whether it's like makeup free or super emotive like really honest all women want to feel like and men for that matter is that we're not going through things on our own we're not the only one who doesn't have it figured out so that was the whole point of the book I wanted to show it's okay to have a grazed knee and a bad chapter and a mistake because it's all part of life and you're not the only one yeah <laughs> brilliant we're all a work in progress hey listen Vicky we always end these um, conversations with our quick fire questions the first one we've got okay. for you is and this is a good one for you because you've obviously been someone that accepted bad people in your life because you felt you didn't deserve anything else and now you've managed to change. So the three non-negotiable behaviours that you and the people around you have to buy into, what do people need to bring to the table? Um, okay, so I want people to be positive. Like, I want to be surrounded by positive people who are excited by life. Like, uh, whether it was friends or ex-partners or whatever, I've gone out with people who... Like, they drag you down. Like, you never bring them up. Please, we are not rehabilitation centres. You're never going to fix anybody. Like, be with people who are, like, strong, happy, know what they want. Be around those type of people because they'll just help you soar. So, yeah, so first one, I like to be surrounded by positive people. Second, I like to be around people who, who respect your boundaries. Like, some people over the years have just took from me and it's been a real, like, one-way street. And... Because I think you accept the love you think you deserve when I potentially wasn't valuing myself very highly, like I allowed those relationships to go on far longer than they should. And um, again, like, you know, I, I never came out on top. I never came out having made someone else better. I was always just broken by the end. So yeah, people have to respect your boundaries and you. And finally, I'm um, extremely neurotic. I don't know if you've noticed, I'm a little bit, um, uh, so it's very nice to have people in my life who bring a bit of balance sometimes. My partner, Erkan, uh, is very secure, very calm and very kind. And for years, like I just thought I needed these like really toxic, loud alpha male types in my life if they were going to handle all of Vicky Parson. Just, just such bollocks because more often than not the loudest man or woman in the room is often the most insecure so I found for my personality for who I am people who are balanced kind calm supportive they they work really well for me so yeah balance is the final one if you could go back to any moment in your life what would it be and why it would be that moment where I told MTV I needed a break and I would take the break. 
I know there's loads to be said for, you know, the butterfly effect and would I still be the person I am now if I hadn't done it? But I just can't forgive myself for the way that played out. So I would have saved myself a lot of tears and I think I saved my family a lot of heartache as well and that poor person. So yeah, I'd go back to then, mate. How important is legacy to you? Ooh, I've never thought of that. I always say, like, I want to be remembered for the way I make people feel. So I suppose maybe I have, really. I don't care how many followers everyone remembers I had or, like, how good I looked in a bikini or what TV shows. I don't care. I care that people say, she made me feel good about myself. She was kind. She was nice. If it's me friends, like, I want them to say she was a great friend and I loved her. If it's someone who follows us on Instagram, I want them to say, oh, she made me feel better about myself. She made me realise that cellulite's okay. That's what I want my legacy to be. What's the biggest sacrifice you've ever made for high performance? It was a misguided sacrifice, I think, but, like, one that was necessary, I suppose. Um, I kind of had to sacrifice my privacy. The very nature of the beast... That is reality TV, is that no element of your life is off limits. Um, and even though I haven't done it, that, that genre of TV in its purest form for quite some time, like that was all I knew in my adult life. So it skewed my opinion of what is normal to share and what isn't. And subsequently, I'm like this unhealthy oversharer all the time and like even now I am in a position where my life could kind of be my own if I wanted it to be I still don't really understand the boundaries of it so so would you do it again I mean I'm so grateful for where I am now it's hard to say no and I really like who I'm becoming but at the same time if I could have got here via any other vehicle I would have I would have chose something else and our final question, and um, look, yeah, we get a lot of um, sports fans and business CEOs and leaders listening to this, Vicky, but we also get loads of parents and an incredible amount of school teachers that listen to this, and they're just desperately trying to pass on lessons they've learned and affect the next generation in a positive way. And our final question to you is, what is your one golden rule for being a high performer? And I guess in many ways, it's just your kind of, your final message really to those that are listening to this from the highs and the lows and the lessons that you've learned and the, the days that you've stumbled and struggled and, and you've still managed to get back up, what would you like to leave people to think about? I would just tell people to start putting themselves first, which sounds like such a selfish note to end on, but we have to break that mindset. Again, not my analogy, but two people I really love told me this once. And it's like, you know, when the oxygen mask drops down on a plane... And they tell you to put it on yourself first. And your instant reaction is to save the people around you. Fair enough. You're a great person for that. But you will only save the person to your right and the person to your left. If you put your your oxygen mask on, you can save that whole plane. And like, I think that's who I want to be. Like, I want to look after myself and be the best version so I can in turn pay everything forward. Like, you can't be the best mother, the best CEO, the best brother the best sports person, if you're not looking after yourself first, you can't pour from an empty cup. So let go of the idea that looking after number one is in some way toxic or selfish and start doing it. Thank you so much. I mean, uh, it's been an hour in the company of an igniter, hasn't it, Damien? 
Definitely. I feel energised on it already, so so you've already had an impact. Yes, Damien. Come on then, son. <laughs> I'm so happy by that. That is a really big compliment. Thank you so much, guys. No, you've been amazing. Thank you. Jake. Damien. <laughs> <laughs> you did it, you idiot. <laughs> Damien. Jake. I think that that is everything I kind of hoped it would be. Um, and I really, I really hope people get to this point because I, there will be doubters and naysayers that see the name next to high performance and don't even give this a list. And so well done to anyone that's got to this point. And it is a, it's a good reminder that we can't create a podcast where we constantly talk about growth and change and a growth mindset and, and challenging yourself and then not invite guests on this podcast that challenge us and challenge our listeners. Yeah, definitely. I was reminded, I mean, when we first suggested Vicky coming on, I remember many years ago reading a book by a guy called Andrew Lou Golden that was the Rolling Stones' first manager. And he recounts a story in his autobiography of meeting a young Jimi Hendrix and going to a nightclub with him to go and see a guitarist. And after a couple of minutes, Andrew Oldham says that it was obvious this guitarist wasn't very good. And he said to Jimi Hendrix, come on, let's leave, we'll go somewhere else. And Jimi Hendrix said, no, no, I'm staying. And he went, what are you staying for? What can you learn from this guy? And he went, this guy is doing something so bad that he might by accident do something really good. And I want to be here to learn from it. Now, the reason I use that, not suggesting that Vicky was bad, is the fact that she was very different from our normal guests. And there's still something we can learn from it if we were prepared to be open and come along and listen to learn rather than listen to judge. And I think as a parent, actually, it's a, it's a good one because... You know, you constantly look at your kids and <clears throat> if they've got a bad school report, it takes over your thoughts and you think, well, that's going to be them for life. Or if they struggle at something, oh, that's them for life. You know, she ha- had a period where she's just told us she was in toxic relationships. She was behaving appallingly. She didn't love herself. She didn't feel she was worth anything more than that. But what a great reminder for anyone that is is in that place at the moment that everything is temporary. And she is a living, breathing example of the fact that you can get yourself to anywhere if you do what she's done and have a growth mindset, seek help, talk about it, challenge and question yourself. Yeah, and also for for those of us that are sort of working with people that maybe do display some toxic or dysfunctional behaviours before we seek to judge them, maybe we just need to understand that those people are not valuing themselves. It's coming from a place of hurt or a lack of self-worth. And if we can be an igniter to them, give them a word of encouragement or maybe just a listening ear, we can help people on their own journey of growth too. Damien, once again this week, um, it's been really nice to have so many people getting in touch, talking to us about the podcast. I just want to say on behalf of Damien, myself, the whole team, this sort of stuff really is the energy for us. So it's it's just brilliant to know that it's having an impact with you. We've got a nice message here. Um, it came on LinkedIn actually about the Chrissy Wellington episode saying this is one of the best episodes from the high performance team since Johnny Wilkinson and Sir Ben Ainsley. Chrissy's ability to enjoy the pain, self-doubt and questioning as part of the process, recognising that all the utopian planning doesn't reflect life's reality. The beauty of racing for her is precisely because it doesn't go according to plan. And I think there's a real strength in that message for everybody listening to this, Damien. And again, it comes back to the fact that from the outside, all these guests look like everything's perfect. The reality is anything but. And, And that race that Chrissy was in where she raced 
the perfect race in an imperfect race is it's kind of a great metaphor for life isn't it yeah it's brilliant and i think i think one of the messages that you're very good at giving out jake is this idea that action leads to motivation it's not the other way around and i think that's what chrissy told us don't wait for everything to be perfect the sun to be shining for you to be feeling great before you get out there and have a go it's about have a go and everything will turn out right afterwards and uh she was a brilliant a brilliant uh, epitome of that message Here's a nice message. Um, and this says, hi, Jake, Damien. Love the podcast. It's full of lessons that are life-changing. I've got a question for you. Outside of sport with clear winners and losers, how would you define the moment that you reach high-performance life? Whilst enjoying the journey and setting long-term goals and short-term goals and achieving them, I often find that each goal that's achieved generally becomes replaced with a new one. So where does it end? Or is the key just to simply focus on enjoying the journey and always bettering yourself? the latter every time i think that once you achieve a target uh, that if you're instantly looking to move on to the next one you're stuck on the hedonic treadmill you're waiting for another hit of achievement and satisfaction from that whereas if i think you transfer it into the process which is a message we keep giving out focus on the journey the process the one step in front of each other making the time to stop smell the roses and express your gratitude that by definition is a high performance life brilliant damien um we're very much looking forward to meeting our high performance listeners aren't we uh we're going on tour and we actually announced today the first couple of guests so tell me your thoughts when i say that we're gonna speak to a man who helped to co-found gymshark when we're in birmingham lewis morgan and we're going to be speaking to the scotland manager steve clark live in edinburgh just days before one of the biggest matches in Scotland's history, a World Cup playoff, and he's very keen to share the inner workings of the Scotland squad ahead of that game. What do you make of those two? They're the first two of the four guests we've announced. I know, and it's just pure excitement. I think it's going to be fantastic to be part of that wider community of listeners that over the last two years, as we've been putting these episodes out there, people have been responding, but to have the chance to be in the same room as them and to ask the questions that we do, in front of them and to be able to speak and meet and chat with them. I think it's just uh, a pure sense of excitement. I can't wait. We're also going to bring experts to these live shows as well. So if you want to see Lewis Morgan and hear him talk about the creation of Gymshark live on stage in Birmingham, or if you want to listen to Steve Clark talking about what it's like managing Scotland days before they go into a World Cup playoff match, um, then get your hands on some tickets. If indeed there are any left, just go to thehighperformancepodcast.com. That's also the place where you can sign up for our members club, The High Performance Circle, check out our store and get all the latest about high performance, thehighperformancepodcast.com. Damien, thanks a lot, mate. Thanks, Jake. Loved it. Me too. As always, big thanks to Finn Ryan for his hard work. Thanks to Sophie King as well for her involvement in today's episode. Thanks to Will, to Hannah, to Eve, to Gemma, the entire team behind the scenes here at the High Performance Podcast. But most of all, and we will always say this, thanks to you for talking about this podcast, for sharing it, for allowing other people to understand what you know is special about these conversations because that is really the power for us the fact that we're growing is the fact that you are believing in what we do so thank you so much remember there is no secret it is all there for you be your own biggest cheerleader and make world-class basics your calling card and all of us will see you next time bye-bye
Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.